Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Up North Prevention Podcast. Here you will find cutting edge information related to substance use issues through interviews, educational content, and helpful resources. For more information, please visit us at www.upnorthprevention.org. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Up North Prevention Podcast. I'm super happy to be here today with my co-host, Mike Maturin. For those of you who do not know, my name is Molly Harvey, and we have a very special guest today with us, um, Allison Smith. She is the Iosco County Coalition Coordinator and also a Family Support Specialist. She is also an expert on recovery-friendly communities. So she's here to talk to you, Mike and myself, and we're just gonna have a conversation about, you know, what a recovery-friendly community mm-hmm. is, and then also just kind of some tips and tricks and ways to help facilitate your own community become more recovery-friendly. Yeah. yeah. Do you wanna start out with a question? Yeah, thank you so much for being yeah, here. We're really glad that you're here today. Yeah, I, uh, I guess the first question that comes to my mind is really what does the word recovery mean and what is exactly a, a recovery friendly community? Yeah, so I think that um, a recovery friendly community is simply a community that is making it easier for a person in recovery to continue their sobriety. Um, and that takes on many different facets, but that is the basic definition of a community that's willing to come around individuals who are in recovery to support them in that effort and to continue their sobriety. That's a great definition and that's really helpful, I think, for us as well as maybe the listeners, just because, you know, as some people who are listening might know, Mike and I work as prevention specialists doing so much work trying to prevent people from getting, you know, becoming addicted to substances. But then there's that other side where, you know, people have been maybe rehabilitated, they're going through, they're in that place of recovery. Um, Maybe they just got out of rehab, but then they're trying to go back into a community where maybe they're not completely supported, or maybe that community is, Mm -hmm. is wanting to support those people, but they just really don't have, the community doesn't have the tools or the support system there to really help facilitate that person staying sober. Um, or staying in that, you know, substance-free place. So I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, we're even talking about this, and I think it can be really helpful to so many different communities yeah. just Absolutely. to start this conversation. You know, one of the things that, that plays a role in recovery and, um, and the difficulty in getting into recovery is stigma. Uh, Molly and I uh, did a video on that a while back, and so what, what does stigma, how does that play into a recovery-friendly community? What's, what can we do to help that yeah. situation? Yeah, so I think that stigma for a community looks like an individual who is in recovery or who is striving for sobriety, um, being met with barriers in the community that's making it not possible. Yeah. Um, there's stigma in, all, in many things um, in a community. When someone's in recovery and they go to apply for a job, Um, Their community could not be open to allowing someone with a substance use disorder or someone in recovery. Um, And even things as simple as allowing that person to still attend meetings or therapy. Some employers aren't open to adjusting their schedule. So um, until communities start to view uh, substance use disorder in a different light, I don't think that they're going to have the effort or the... um, 
ability to become more recovery friendly. They're not yeah. going to have the momentum to until people view addiction differently. Right. So do you think, would, would you say that stigma is kind of maybe the biggest barrier for a community supporting somebody who's in recovery? Just the stigma around substance use disorder? Absolutely. I think there are many barriers. Um, I think we can talk a lot about access to treatment and how um, especially in northern Michigan that can be challenging at right. times. That's Those are building blocks that communities can start to address. There's many different things they can do, but stigma I think is that foundational block of what they can start to do um, to become more recovery friendly. And that can be things like, um, you know, avoiding labels that are hurtful for people who are um, in active addiction or just starting their sobriety. That's a it, great one. It can yeah. be sharing your own story of stigma. Um, you know, it may not be specifically related to substance use disorder, but if you faced a stigma before, being more open about that, um, offering compassionate support to these people and these um, that are needing the support in their communities. Um, and then just starting to do things like listening to this podcast or watching these videos and replacing your negative connotations with actual facts about um, right. SUD and um, sobriety, I yeah. think, in general. We spoke in our in our stigma video, um, Molly called it person-centric language, yes. or person-first person first. language, so mm -hmm. that we're not, uh, I happen to have diabetes, mm -hmm. but uh, that doesn't make me, I, in, in the language that we use, that makes me a diabetic, Correct. but that's not all of me. I happen to be a person that has diabetes. Yes. And I, there's stigma around that, but not nearly like there is around substance use disorder, mental health issues. And I think okay. if that stigma remains, people are less likely to even seek out treatment because they're ashamed or they're afraid that, that people are going to look um, less of them um, because of the fact that they're struggling. And so I think stigma is a huge barrier, like you mentioned. Um, access is another one, yes. uh, especially where we work in rural northern Michigan. There's not, there's not enough, frankly, of uh, treatment modalities and, and places where people can get help. Can you address that a little bit about access? Yeah, and I think, too, not only is it not enough options, I guess in a, a very basic term, not enough options for treatment, it's also, it may not just it may not, um, the first time might not be, they may need multiple, mm -hmm. um, yeah. sorry, was, they, may, they may need multiple attempts um, at treatment. Sure. And that also plays into stigma. And knowing that just because somebody goes to treatment one, two, seven, 15 times, mm -hmm. um, as a community, you need to support them yeah. accessing that treatment every single time. Um, so I think that also plays a big role in treatment is how many we have available, yeah. how often they can go, and um, also funding is yeah. something that plays a big role Absolutely. in if, if people can get treatment or not. Yeah, I, that's something that comes to my mind is I know that, you know, so many of these, um, especially the inpatient treatment centers, you know, they're just extremely expensive and insurance might pay for one, one 30 day stay right. um, and after that you know there's really not any financial support which is really difficult for somebody who's not going to be working for 30 days right. or for however long so right. yeah absolutely yeah. Um, for communities that are that are interested in becoming more friendly towards recovery do you have any any points or any 
suggestions of things that they could do in order to be open to um, helping folks in recovery? So I think it starts with stigma, like we've covered quite a bit already today. Um, but then there are things that are maybe a little more lighthearted that people haven't thought about um, in the realm of recovery. Things like entertainment options, offering a community an event, a music event, sporting event, something that is substance free mm -hmm. or having a substance free section at a ball field or things like that, that tend to be um, fairly heavily uh, substance centered yeah. um, and offering events like that, supporting groups, um, NAAA meetings in your community, yeah. uh, allowing for spaces for them, offering up a church for that meeting, um, many different things that can be done. Um, but I think stigma is the biggest thing to start with okay. and then building up from there. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that because I think, and maybe that's another topic, but it's so amazing how, how integrated substances are into our culture mm -hmm. and how kind of culturally conditioned yeah. we are to believe that it's normal to um, just engage in some of these, yeah, activities. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not to, not to shame anybody or to say that in any way that's necessarily wrong, but just to understand that for people who are not choosing to engage right. in those activities, they don't necessarily have a safe space to, to be or, right. or even necessarily a way to connect with other people who might be in a similar um, place where they're they're really just trying to to stay focused on their recovery, right? You know, Allison, there there's so much we could probably do three or four or five hours <laughs> of this discussion, but um, I really appreciate for one, and I know Molly does as well. You you coming in and sharing your heart with us uh, as far as what's so important in the work that you do in this recovery friendly community uh, idea. Uh, are there any other things that you'd like to share with our audience that are really important for you to get out there? I did forget one on things that can start to make a community more recovery friendly mm -hmm. is recovery housing. Um, oh, like you said, that's we could probably take each one of these and make them an entire conversation, but recovery housing is very important. Mm -hmm. um, individuals who are coming out of either incarceration or treatment or have um, just unstable living situations outside of those um, realms need a place to go that doesn't have substances and doesn't offer that as an option, as a coping skill right. that they're so familiar with and allowing them a safe, sober living situation. And one thing that I was taught in a training is that for every dollar that a community invests in recovery, they get $44 back from each individual. Wow. And that's in income tax, property tax, and sales tax. And that is because these individuals now are holding down jobs and are supported with housing and able to get recovery housing and things that we um, who are maybe not in a place of active addiction have a hard time uh, understanding that that can be a struggle to find a stable place to live Just or to have to live. Right, yeah. right. Absolutely. And so these are things that communities can do. And if we think about it as an investment into our communities, that's a pretty simple way. I mean, who wouldn't want to take a dollar and turn it into $44 Absolutely. and have healthier, happier yeah. community yeah. members? Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, a, lar a large part of our homelessness 
problem around our nation is related directly to substance use disorder that's gone untreated and um, mental health issues mental health. that have gone untreated. So Absolutely. you make a great point that if housing becomes available for folks that are, are dealing with this, that it, it helps the economy. Absolutely. Uh, and that alone should get government entities interested in doing something about it. Great point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad that we're starting this discussion related to recovery and just in general, um, and also how, how communities can become more recovery friendly just because, yeah, it does seem like a very key component to an overall healthy community that we're not talking about enough. So right. thank you again for being here today. And if anyone has any questions, um, unless there's anything else you guys want to add, we'll just wrap this up and anything else? I just want to say thank you for, thank you. for yeah. coming in and, um, and joining Molly and I for our, actually our first podcast. <laughs> and uh, um, we really appreciate yeah. what you have to offer. It's a lot to unpack, but I think it's a good place to start yeah. and just mm -hmm. starting with stigma and um, learning from there. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. And um, for anybody who wants any more information, you can always find us at www.upnorthprevention.org. We're happy to answer any questions that anyone comes up with related to this podcast. Um, there will also be a video of this podcast on YouTube, so you can find us there. And um, we hope that you guys have a great day. And thanks again, Allison. Thank you. Mm -hmm. See everybody soon. Look forward to everyone joining Molly and I for our next podcast. And Allison, we'd love to have you back to Absolutely. continue the discussion. Thank you. Take right. care, everyone. Thanks.